This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another episode of From the Braves Booth. Happy to have you with us. This is our 29th episode of the show. Alongside Joe Simpson and our producer-engineer Jonathan Chadwick, Ben Ingram here with you. And uh, as always, want to shoot the email address out there. You guys can send questions, comments anytime you want. Bravesbooth at gmail.com. Again, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Joe, how you doing today? Great, pal. Great, pal. Ready to get back on the winning track mm-hmm. uh, against these Mets. Uh, too much Max Scherzer last night. Here's something. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you go into a ball game like that, and I was thinking about this when I was leaving the ballpark last night. You had two aces, Max Freed, Max Scherzer. And just because you have two aces doesn't mean you're going to get two ace-like performances. And the interesting thing with Max is it's probably um, his worst outing of the year. Yeah. I'd probably say that. It tied a career high for walks uh, for him. However, here's the ultimate question. Did he leave the team in a position to compete and be in the ballgame? Yes, he did. And he did. Yeah. And that might be the true sign of an ace on nights where you're not your best self, where you're not 100%, your stuff isn't there. And you still compete enough to keep your team in the game. And, yeah, we wanted a different result, but he did that. That's right. Um, He gave up two runs. Uh, You could make an argument he probably should have given up at least five, maybe Mm -hmm. six, because they left so many guys on base. Um, He didn't have good stuff. He didn't have much of anything working. He didn't have command working. And then to top it off, he wasn't getting any calls from the home plate umpire who had a rough night. So when you mix that all together with Max Scherzer on top of all of his pitches last night, making good pitches, uh, you saw what the result was. Now then, for the Braves' offense, there were some hard-hit balls last night. I mean, we know about Riley's home run. He hit another ball hard earlier in the night for an out. Ozuna hit a rocket right at the left fielder for an out. Dansby backed, uh, who was it, Nemo up to the wall, or, mm-hmm. or Canna up Canna. to the wall. Could have been a home run. Acuna let off the game and backed Nemo up to the wall in center field. There were some hard-hit balls that, uh, with just a little more oomph, might have changed the game for the Braves because we know when they hit home runs, they win. Yeah, they do. And it'll be game two tonight as we're coming to you from our booth here at Truist Park. Getting ready for the second game of this series, Braves and the Mets tonight. They'll get a dose of Spencer Strider tonight. Pretty excited about that. Yeah, I am. I don't know the Mets are. Uh, they they all <laughs> they claim that you know well we've seen him pitch out of the bullpen, but lately they've seen a lot of him on TV. You know, and that's where it that's what's gotten everybody's attention. So uh, they're going to see it up close and personal tonight, and they better tune it up. The most impressive thing to me about Spencer isn't the fastball. It's not his stuff. I mean, his stuff is absolutely electric. But he has gotten so good in a very short amount of time, Joe. I mean, this time last year, he had recently been promoted to double A. He made his major league debut September of last year against the Mets. And he's gone from a position of, okay, we'll use him in the bullpen here and there, to if you had a postseason series starting tonight, He's definitely in your top four. Sure. He might be in your top two or three. Yeah. And he's he's looked so calm for a guy as inexperienced as he is. 
it's so easy for the game to speed up and overwhelm young pitchers. I haven't seen that one time with Spencer. That's what's amazing to me. Yeah, he's uh, I, maybe it's because he's a college guy. Yeah, you know that he's so cool, calm, and collected. And um, I, what I would be curious to know is when they have their organizational meetings and they start talking about player and they go guy by guy. Where did they project him to be? You know, a year ago. Were they thinking that, you know what, this guy could be a closer. He throws 100 miles an hour. Yeah. He throws enough strikes. He could be a closer for us uh, in a year's time. Let's let's put him in the bullpen, let him get used to working out of the pen. Now, all of a sudden, he's starting. Yeah. You know, and, and it's flip-flopped. So did they also have in mind that, well, he could be a starter too. You know, were they on the, on the fence on that? I'd really like to know what they thought – his future was going to be that's a great question because you start to weigh the options how can I win more games with this guy as my closer or this guy in my rotation I'd say the rotation I want my five best arms in the organization in my rotation right and 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 other organizations may disagree with that but to me he's one of the best arms so I want to see him more I want him pitching more innings more often and him going six or seven innings every five days may be better for the ball club than pitching one inning three or four days out of a week I think you're right uh, plus, uh, as I have preached uh, forever, your closer's got to be able to throw strikes. He's got to consistently throw strikes and not walk people. Well, up until you know he went to the rotation, Spencer was walking people. Yeah, you know, he wasn't as sharp as he became in the rotation, and perhaps throwing multiple innings and building himself up physically where he could go deeper into ball games that helped his command because he knew that he could bounce back next inning perhaps, and get back in a better groove. So he's where he ought to be right now, and that's in the rotation, and he's doing a darn good job. If you had to make a, uh, if you had to cast a ballot right now, rookie of the year on the ball club, Michael or Spencer, I, I find myself playing tug-of-war with myself in my mind over that night in, night out. I don't know which way I'd go. Well, I, I think there ought to be a rookie of the year player mm-hmm. and rookie of the year pitcher. That'd be nice. I don't think, I don't think you can uh, – compare a center fielder to a starting pitcher and say which one was better i don't think that's fair uh if you made me pick one i'd pick the center fielder mm-hmm. i think he'll be every single day he's out there every day yeah that's a good point uh braves have two more games with the mets then four games in washington and then the all-star break so i'm not sure if we have another show between now and the break we'll have to talk about that later on but uh, a good time to assess what we've seen in the first half of the season and I think we all feel very good about where the team is right now, whether they come back and take the next two versus the Mets or not. Either way, they're right there in the thick of things for the postseason picture, and that's way better than where we were come into May. They've positioned themselves so well with the with the play since June 1 that um, whatever happens from here on out, whether they win the division, and that's the goal for everyone, or just get to the tournament, they have really put themselves in a good spot thanks to that great month of June in particular. But they're just playing good baseball right now. It's not like that's going to go away. And uh, let's knock on wood and hope for really good health. Nobody gets hurt and damages those chances for the Braves to do something really special again. Puts you in a much better position for the trade deadline, too. I mean, last year, we praise Alex for what he did at the trade deadline, and, and rightfully so. It was spectacular. 
but for the longest time, we didn't know what this team was. And, and if you if you asked me this time last year, do they need to be buying or selling at the deadline? I said, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. They've not done one thing one way or the other to identify what they need to be doing at the deadline. You wouldn't say that this year. We, we know that they can no. go 100, 100 miles an hour right into the trade deadline and go and, and make as many deals as they possibly can. And I think if we're making a wish list, I don't know about you, I'd start in the bullpen with what we've seen over the last month or so, especially the last few weeks with Kenley being out, I think it'd be nice to add a few more arms to the pen, and that's exactly where I'd begin. Yeah, I'm with you on that. No question about it. Let's go back to last year, though, uh, leading into the trade deadline. Alex, I'm not going to say he didn't have anything to lose, but the team was under 500 and not playing well. Uh-huh. He goes out and gets some veteran players, and, man, they all hit, you know? Uh, it was like you hit blackjack on all those guys. Yeah. And um, everything seemed to turn around at that point. If none of those guys had played well, you know, if Soler, Rosario, Peterson, uh, they hadn't done anything. They, they didn't do anything. Everybody said, well, Alex tried. He tried to bring in some guys. It just wasn't our year. Mm-hmm. Well, this year we're in a way better position. Right. We don't need a ton of guys. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, except in the bullpen. Yeah. And uh, what was a strength of this team going into spring training, a very solid bullpen, uh, got damaged with the with the injury to Luke Jackson in particular. Uh, the expectation of Soroka coming back and maybe uh, helping move somebody from the rotation into the bullpen, mm-hmm. that hasn't happened. So – you get into these stretches of 20 games in 20 days, certain things are exposed, and right now it's the bullpen. Yeah, it is. I mean, last year, you needed outfielders. You had to make a deal for Jock, even if you weren't in contention. You just needed warm bodies. Yeah. So you could send out there and, and fill out a, a, a lineup and send nine guys out there. This year, if you didn't touch uh, your roster in terms of your position players, as it stands right now, I think you'd be fine. You have good depth. Everybody would like to add a piece to the to the bench and all that. But I love what they have one through nine in in the uh, in the lineup. I'd love to add another starter if possible. But I really think going back to the pin, the way that you really make yourself significantly better, if you could add two right-handed arms to that bullpen. And I don't want to take anything away from Jackson Stevens or Dylan Lee uh, or Darren O'Day. But I think in ball games where it's a tie game late or you're down a run late. Uh, it'd be nice to have some more guys that, that you could rely on in those situations because you can't throw Mentor and Matzik and Smith every single night. And you're using them when you have a one-run or two-run lead late. And it's not just them. You can't use Jesse Chavez every night. Yeah. You can't use Colin McHugh every night. They're not built for every night use. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are two right-handed pitchers, but you got to have some compliments to them. And right now, that's, uh, that's a little short. That yeah. area's short. Uh, you said something a minute ago about uh, position players, I think, are not really needing them. And I, and I agree with you. Said the same thing myself. We don't know when Ozzy's coming back. Right. You know, let's hope that when he's able to come back, he's Ozzy Albies and he gets a fresh start and he's swinging the bat better than he was when he got hurt. Uh, that's like getting a trade. Mm-hmm. Kirby Yates. Uh, I got a note from Alex Anthopoulos last night. I asked him, what can we say about Kirby Yates? And he said he's throwing simulated games and should go out on a rehab assignment soon. There's another right-hander that you don't have to trade for. You've already got him in the in the barn, so to speak. So Kirby Yates has been a closer. He's been very effective. 
uh, after his arm troubles, how effective will he be now? Nobody knows, Mm -hmm. but we know he's been there and done that. Let me ask you one more question going back to Spencer Strider. Um, To this point in the season, he has pitched 65 and two-thirds of an inning. And and looking back through last few years, uh, let's see, last year, let's see, 2021, he threw 94 innings, uh, 2020, 20-something innings, and at Clemson, um, what I'm getting at is—I know where is, you're going. Uh, d- does it concern you second half of the season when he's getting up to 115, 130, 140 innings? I hadn't really thought about it till just now. Um, I, yeah, of course it will because he hasn't done that bef- that hasn't pitched that many innings before. But look at his build. Look at his body. Yeah, you know he has a great set of legs on him. Very strong quads, and he uses that lower half wonderfully. If he'll continue to do that, and you know they're going to monitor his innings, uh, I, I don't see any reason why he can't just keep going. Yeah, uh, th- it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them skip him a start. You know, somewhere along the way, uh, uh, like it or not, you're, he's going to run into a start like Max had last night. You know, and you're going to mm-hmm. say, "Oh shoot, I hope he's okay." Mm-hmm. Well, no, he's just—it's one start. He's not going to have all this brilliant stuff every single night. One wouldn't think. So you got to—you got to get prepared for that and realize it's just a, a one-off outing. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're, he's jumping from 94 innings last year to 220. Yes, I mean you're thinking if he can get 150 this year, and I know that that's 56 more than he's ever had. But still, it's, um, I think for a guy, like you said, with his build and his his age, he's at a position where he could bite off a whole lot and still be able to chew it. Would you say 60-some innings? He's at 65. Yeah, 65. I, 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 if he got to 125, I'd be happy. Uh-huh. You know, double what he's got right now. Yeah. And, and just try to measure, monitor, uh, gets a big lead, take him out of the game. Gets behind by a big number, take him out of the game. Save him. Those innings, those two or three innings at times where you can. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, again, our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. We have lots of questions that we're going to dive into here in a little while. I know Jay Chad's going to join us. you have anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah, I want to talk a, a little bit about uh, the All-Star Game. And um, I plan tonight to ask uh, Brian Snitker on his show about William Contreras making it. And the Braves have a ton of guys going that are – on the all-star team for the first time. But I want to know what reactions Brian got when he told them, and in this case, mm-hmm. William, knowing his brother was already on the team and how cool that would be to play with his brother in the all-star game. I want to know those reactions. But I'm happy for him. I'm happy for every one of the guys. And I'd really be happy if somehow Austin Riley got on the ball club. Austin Riley right now is playing uh, as well as you want anybody to play defensively, offensively, whatever the case might be. And as I said uh, earlier today, he's hitting the pitchers that nobody else can hit. He's hitting the 98 gas that nobody else can touch yeah. and hitting it hard. So I, I just wanted to touch on those two guys in particular right now and how great they're playing. I mean, let me ask you this. Who's your MVP for this ball club for the first half? Uh, Austin. Exactly. Yeah. So therefore, he's an all-star. Yes. I mean, you lost your mind if you don't think that he is. And I know that third base is congested in the National League. There's some terrific third basemen in this league. Yeah. But I, I hadn't seen anybody better than Austin. No. Well, you got a vote of confidence from the guys from New York yesterday wanting to know how he, he could not be on the on the team. And that, that says a lot right there. Yeah. That's a wonderful compliment. Now then, uh, who's uh, the MVP 
uh, 2.0, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Dansby. Dansby, yeah. Dansby's having a, a spectacular year. So those two guys on the left side of the infield have been tremendous. Yeah, excited to see those guys on the field in L.A., uh, for the All-Star game, that'll be awesome. And and to see Snit manage, I mean, thinking about where he's come from and now managing the All-Star game, that's incredible. And hopefully a win for the National League. I feel like we never win this thing, the National League. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun. Um, I, You know, Acuna has decided to, Ronald has decided to participate in the Home Run Derby. And um, there are people who might be a little concerned about that because of some injuries that have followed some players that have participated in the home run derby or their numbers fell off drastically after the all-star game and there's always that risk yeah but i'm kind of looking at it as a positive he's um he's got three he's got four five six games left before the all-star break um he has not he has not generated that ronald acuna buzz Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. lately he's still hitting in the 270s uh, last night he hit a couple of balls hard, including a double late in the ball game, but he hasn't been on one of those tears and one of those that just lights a fire under our fans. And and in the outfield too, he I don't know if he's bored, I don't know if he's um, uh, upset, hurt, whatever the case might be. If he goes to the home run derby and has a good time and and does well, I think it might really help, you know jumpstart him for the second half we've seen that happen before with other players yeah and, and i fully expect ronald to have a much better second half of the season if, if for nothing else because he feels a lot better than he did the first half of the season mm-hmm. with that knee and coming back from that and giving it 100 percent and all that so and hopefully, hopefully they just cut him loose yeah that's exactly right with a guy like that you want to cut everybody loose but if there's one guy you want to cut loose is ronald acuna yeah let him go do his thing hey rob bradford here you guys know i'm always up for a good mvp story and one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on the wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazon's of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, uh, time now for some of your questions. I've got three pages worth of questions, and I hope we can get to all of them. But uh, Jay Chad's sitting in here with us now. That's a Hi, nice Jonathan. Po- that's a good polo, man. Is that, that a new is. one? No, I've had this one for three or four years. That's, that's a good look, man. Thank you. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Jeff. Good to see you. Great to see you as well. I'm afraid you weren't going to make it today. I'm glad you're here. 
I'm here. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise the mics wouldn't be on. They wouldn't. <laughs> if anybody's going to be here, it is Jonathan Chadwick. I beat him today. Did you really? Yeah, I beat him today. I don't think he's real happy about it. <laughs> I'm not. He likes his peace and quiet in the booth by himself. I know. Yeah. So he can nest in here before we get here and tear everything up. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump into some of these questions. I like this one. This is from Drayson in St. George, Utah. He said, here's something I've always wondered. Has a team batted around when the ninth batter or the tenth batter comes to the plate? Curious to hear your thoughts. And here's here's my take on that, Drayson. Let's say you and eight guys are in a bar, and you want to buy the bar around. How many drinks are, are you buying? You're buying one for yourself and the eight other guys. That's nine. Nine guys is batting around. That's the whole order to me. The tenth guy, uh, that, that starts a new round. Yeah. So when all nine have come to the plate, you're batting around. That's the way I've always saw it. Agreed. How about you, JC? I can't say it any better. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, I, I like this one from Ron. Uh, how important is it to remember that last night was just one game in a long season? It's not the end of the world. The overreaction to one game in a long season, no matter the opponent, makes me laugh. Well, it does me too, Ron. It also uh, disappoints me in real baseball fans who understand that uh, this is not the end of the season where it's coming down to the wire. Yeah. Uh, this is July. And while it's fun and exciting, and last night certainly had a postseason atmosphere in it uh, with respect to the fans and how excited, excited they were, it is one game. It's, it, yeah, I mean, it's one game. Look, I think at the end of the day, uh, more fans may – have more attention on a game like last night because you're one and a half game before the start of last night's game. You're one and a half games behind the first place team, the Mets. That's who you're playing. You're trying to chase them down. You were ten and a half games out a month and a half ago. You cut it down to one and a half. So I understand you want to you want to win, but you want to win every night. And as the as Ron pointed out, it's one game in July. You're not going to win every single night. So, yeah, I, mean, I think like Joe said, and you, Ron, as well, the overreaction to one game makes me laugh. Yeah, you ran, it was one night where you ran into Max Scherzer. Uh, and, and that could happen anytime. Mm-hmm. And, and let me let me expound on that. Is that the right word? Sounds good. Expound or expand. Um, let me talk some more about that. <laughs> <laughs> now – if you want to, if you want to get into the Mets thing, consider this: the Braves now. Let's see, we played four by the end of this series. We played six games against seven games against the Mets. That leaves twelve. In the last twelve games, there's a real good chance that the Mets are going to have Degrom and Scherzer to go with Bassett. Right. Maybe even a healthy Tyler McGill mm-hmm. and Taiwan Walker. So they're going to be at full strength more than likely for the last 12. You want to start talking about matchups, that's what you need to start thinking about is down the road when we get into a three- or four-game series with the Mets, and then who are they throwing and add DeGrom to the mix. Yeah, because we're going to see them a ton in August. Uh, We go there first week of August, play five games in four days. Then they come here for four a week later. Uh, So you're going to see them nine times in August. Wow, nine of the – 12 remaining uh-huh. and the August. last and the last three are at home correct that'll be september 30th through october the second uh the last three home games of the season will be against these guys here 
so we're going to see them a ton. Only one more trip to New York. Woohoo! Uh, let's see. This is from Victor. Should a batter request, meaning if a batter requests and is granted a timeout during the pitcher's delivery and the pitcher hits the batter, is the batter awarded first base? No, Victor, he is not. Time was called, so it's not even considered a pitch. Right. Everything and, stops right there. Yeah, and if he hit him and he hit him on purpose, then, oh, well, get another crack at him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, I can only assume that on road trips, they put the three of you guys in a single Braves Radio Network hotel room with two beds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you all decide who's doubling up? Do you draw straws? Does Joe get a bed to himself based on seniority? Does J. Chad have to sleep on the floor every night? Love the show, Griffin. Fortunately, we get three individual rooms. Although there are some times where I wonder if they would just to, to save a penny or two put the three of us in one bedroom. Yeah, that only changed like a few months ago when J. Chad really complained about <laughs> right. how hard the floor was. Where were we? Where were we? <laughs> we're in Milwaukee, you know. Yeah. It was really tough. All right. It. Oh boy. Those floors at the Fister are really hard. <laughs> well, the moment that uh, any of us have to share a room is the moment I'm going to find something else to do. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, Joe, if you didn't know, when I complain about things, it doesn't really get too far. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a very good point. But that was a great question, Griffin. It made us all laugh. Here's uh, one from Jeff. So, so, yes, the answer is, as Ben said, we all get our own room. <laughs> Here's one from Jeff. He's curious what your takes are on the Braves taking a waiver claim on Robinson Cano. It was surprising to me. I think that's the word that that most is most fitting to how I felt about the situation. Simply because you're winning, and now you bring and, and this is nothing against Robinson by any means. By all accounts, he's a terrific individual and has been well liked in every clubhouse he's ever played in. But when you're rolling and you're winning baseball games, it is kind of surprising when you get something disruptive like another player to throw into the lineup like that. and But uh, wanting another option at second base after uh, moving on from Phil Goslin to go along with Orlando Arcia, I understand it. A couple of thoughts here. One, uh, lightning in a bottle thing. We talked about this last night. Uh, who's to say Cano might not fall into the Soler and Rosario category that was so wonderful for the Braves last year? Maybe Robinson has that much left in him and he can help the Braves. Phil Gosselin is right-handed hitter. Arcia is a right-handed hitter. At the very least, Cano gives Snitker some options, as he's doing tonight, where yeah. he can platoon out there. Cano may not play every night because he might only play against right-handers. So Arcia is in there tonight against the lefty. And let's see how this all plays out. Yeah, I think so, too. And having some experience in there, that's not going to hurt. And... and did you see what – I? They, there was somebody that wrote a story about who's paying Cano – per game while he's with the Braves. And the Mets are carrying most of the freight. Mariners are carrying the next heaviest load. And the Braves are paying like 3000 a game to find out if Cano's got anything left. Yeah. It's worth it mm-hmm. to find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. And, and by the way, before I read this one from Monica, did you ever get uh, – did Eric ever return your text message, Joe, about uh, um, Strider? Let me, see. let me see. Monica says, a very important question – what size shoe does Spencer Strider wear? It seems every time he pitches, we have a conversation about his shoe size. Very important stuff. Thanks. I enjoy listening. That's from Monica Grant. We're waiting to hear, Monica. We actually just sent a text down 
to the clubhouse to get official confirmation of what size that shoe is because it does look like a clown shoe. It does. Now, let's take bet. Let's take not bets, but let's take a, a guess before we get the. You got a, a guess, JC? I'm going to go 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 14. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go 13. All right. Right there around the same. But he's he's not a small guy by any means. He's six feet tall, so he's not a giant. Yeah. So a size 13 or 14 shoe on a six foot tall guy is really going to stand out as it does. Yeah. Um, you know, I know some guys that used to wear oversized shoes in the hotel lobby, but it was for a far different reason. <laughs> so we'll see if for Spencer, if it works for him. So far, so good. Um, hey, guys, I love the show. My question is, why does Chip Carey make every fly ball seem like a home run? Does the TV booth have a bad angle in every stadium? Thanks for your questions, Brad. You know what? I, I'm sorry that you get on chip for that and and he does have some enthusiasm uh for those fly balls and in some cases we're in ballparks where you can't tell where it's going Mm -hmm. in his defense secondly i think chip is just so excited to actually be able to call a ball off the bat and not have to do a promo or have to or have to interview somebody else he's with in the booth Uh they have to do so many sales elements it's just kind of sad and he just gets fired up when he gets to actually call a, call the game. Yeah, it happens to all of us. I mean, you get some balls that go out that you didn't think were going to go out and vice versa. So, Over 162, you're going to see a bunch of fly balls and sometimes you get fooled. This question comes from Colin. What are the Braves' biggest needs at the trade deadline ne- next month? I think we've covered that. Yeah. I think we have to. Yeah, we talked about the bullpen. We discussed that uh, early on in the show. That's where I'd say is is uh, right-handed relief out of the bullpen. I think if you've watched the majority of this homestand, um, it's become pretty clear what the yeah. needs are, especially in the bullpen. Um, I had one a second ago. Where'd it go? Oh. This is from Drew in Mississippi. All right. Is there any plan for the Braves to visit the White House in one of the final two visits to Washington, D.C.? And I think that's a very good question, Drew. Uh, kind of like Jonathan said a minute ago, uh, we're, we're some of the last to lo- know on stuff like that, but I haven't heard a word about it. I, I, saw, I read something yesterday about this upcoming weekend because we're there for four, and I was reading that the president's schedule has him – I think out of the country for the weekend. If it wasn't out of the country, it's out of D.C., so I'm guessing that wouldn't happen. Well, he's got the All-Star break coming up, so he left early. Oh, okay. Everybody's <laughs> off of the All-Star break. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Um, so yeah, we, I have no so idea. we don't know, Drew. No. no. Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad, first of all, as a fan listening in Colorado, thank you for being such an enjoyable listen from afar. I crack up nearly every time that our hottest prospect of them all gets the call. Uh, my question for you is, what are your thoughts about the increase in interleague play next season? As away game experts, are there any stadiums remaining you haven't visited? What's a future regular matchup that you're looking forward to? And I'm excited for the Braves to see more AL teams that usually take years to match up with. Also, do you think this will drastically increase the weight of division games since we will lose about 20 of them? Thanks again, and go Braves. That's from Tyler Strickland in Colorado. Thank you, Tyler. Good questions there. I don't know that it will drastically increase the weight of division games. I think division games are always going to be important, whether you have 14 or 19 of them. 
So that'll always be big. And we were doing the math when we were Cincinnati when it came down to breaking that all down. It actually works out really well uh, with the numbers for a 162-game schedule with your division games, uh, home and away with every other team in the National League, and then home or away with every team in the American League. I don't think it's really cool. I mean, we will go through an entire season and see everybody. So uh, selfishly, I like that. We've already lost kind of the intrigue of, or, or the mystery, I should say, of uh, no interleague play and the World Series getting there. And well, we don't know what that team is going to look like versus yeah. this team. But um, as, as a fan of the game, I think it'll be cool to go through next season and navigate through and see every team. I think that'll be fun. I think it will be too. I mean, will it uh, – what was the question? Will it uh, increase uh, – no, where was it? Um, oh, drastically increase the weight of division games. To me, it won't. Um, you want to win every night, no matter who you play. And at the end of the day, at the end of the season, whoever has the best record in the division doesn't have to be the best record against teams in your division. Whoever has the best record in the division is going to win the division. So yeah. I think you just focus on winning every single night and uh, hope you can do that. Yeah. I think you guys got that covered. Here's one from Noah in Chattanooga. You guys are the best in the business. Did you hear that? Was my mic on? You guys are the best <laughs> in the business, and the podcast has been an awesome way to stay tuned with the team and learn some behind-the-scenes tidbits. Braves Country appreciates you guys. His question is this. With imminent expansion, I'm not sure how imminent it is, Noah, but with imminent expansion coming and Nashville and Charlotte being cities that have been thrown around, how do you think another MLB team in either of these cities would affect the Braves from a geographical fan base situation to the financials, etc.? Would love to hear your thoughts. Chop on Noah. I don't think the Braves want to see that. No. I don't think they want to see it either. I mean, why would they? Braves country so big. Uh, I think – and. Not knowing anything about this, I think they would do whatever they needed to do to try to prevent that from happening. However, if it did happen and a team moved to Nashville, personally, I would be excited about it. My brother and his wife, my sister and her husband, and all my nieces and nephews live there. So to get to go there and see them uh, while I'm also working, I'd be all for that. So it pretty much just hinges on what Jonathan wants, Noah, right. and uh, sounds like he's all for it. Um, you guys are finally coming around after all this time. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I'm guessing the Braves would fight tooth and nail to prevent that from happening, especially in Nashville. However, um, Nashville, as Noah said, Nashville in particular, is, in particular is one of the teams, one of the cities that uh, is high on the list for expansion. Yeah. There, there's, some te- there's some cities that do make some sense. I don't know that I'm the – I don't know that I'm the biggest opponent for expansion right now. I think when it comes to filling out 30 major league rosters and the talent that is there, it's kind of questionable at some point. You're thinking about think about an additional 60 players who are currently not good enough to make major league rosters who would be big leaguers if you added two more teams. Uh, 30 to me seems about right, but again, they don't ask for my opinion on that. Well, pitching, there's yeah. just not enough. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they can expand if they want, but you're not going to have enough pitching and the game's going to suffer. It is. Uh, most of all, let's see, most of all my Braves is, most of, most all of my Braves is blacked out on TV, and I'm kind of glad. 
Been listening on the radio as long as I can remember. Back to the days of Pete and Ernie. Don Sutton was great, too, but now you guys do a fantastic job. It's refreshing to hear announcers rooting for the Braves. It's all radio for me. Thanks, Drake. Thank you, Drake. We love when the team wins. It's the, it's the best. That's why we do this. We've kind of covered this in previous podcasts, but we'll answer Tom's question from Greenville, South Carolina anyway. He said, I really enjoy Joe Simpson on the broadcast team, and I wonder why he's not there more often. Is there a certain schedule he follows? Thanks. Really appreciate you all. Uh, that's my choice, Tom. I'm, um, I just cut back. I, I, I'm 70 years old. I've been doing this for the Braves for 31 years and um, just trying to cut back a little bit. And um, the, the funny part is that this year I chose to do more road games than home games. So the travel uh, typically is a little more, is a little harder on you. We'll see what the future holds. I don't know what's going to happen next year. But uh, I went from 140 games plus the postseason last year down to 110 this year. We'll see. Yeah. Tom, we feel the same way you do. When <laughs> Joe's not here, we really, really miss him. We have a good time, don't we? Thanks, it's boys. Fun. I love you, too. Make me teary. Well, not, what's the next question? Not hey, guys, this is Heath from Madison, Mississippi. What's up, Ben? What's up, Heath? Uh, do you guys make uh, – what do you guys make of the rookie Michael Harris the second? He already had a track record of being a fantastic player in double-A, so I went and saw him play, and he was extraordinary. It wasn't long after that that he got called up, so do you think he's for real? Absolutely, we do. Uh, also, uh, also, he says – as uh, always, you guys do a fantastic job in the booth, and I must say, Ben's voice is ASMR to my ear. Is that the um, – What does that mean? I, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what the what the acronym stands for, but people listen to sounds, and it's – I don't know. There, there are certain sounds that they have recorded, and they listen to it, and it's soothing to them. I don't know. Um, and somebody explained it to me one time. It's also awesome to have a, a fellow Madisonian – Rep the Braves. Love the podcast. Thank you, Heath. Um, I think for Michael, I think he's very much real and expect him to be an impact player here for a very long time. And for folks who got to see him at the minor league level, that's the payoff of going to minor league games is you get to see those future players playing in front of 1,000 people on a Tuesday night before they're playing in front of 42,000 people uh, at a big league stadium. And I think that was that was always my favorite part about calling minor league games is seeing what was coming. And Michael Harris certainly – uh, for anyone who saw him at the minor league level, got to see a future star. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh, there's always something about a young player, especially one that's just 21 years old, that when they're so gifted like Michael is, they're going to come up and make a splash. Uh, this level didn't mean anything to him. He, he went right from double A here, as you know, 
and has made a big splash. Very comfortable, very confident, but not overly so. But there comes a time when Major League Baseball catches up to you. And it's usually from the scouting department. Now they have video. They're, they're searching for a weakness, a hole in your swing. And it's up to you once they find out where it is when they keep getting you out in a certain place, it'll be up to Michael to fix that. And I think he has the aptitude to do that. I don't think there's any um – I guess I should say I think there's direct correlation between when Michael came up and when the team really took off. You bet. Um, mm-hmm. He really shored up that outfield defense. He can go get it in any direction. He is phenomenal to watch out there every night. And I think on top of that, you know, that's what you wanted him to do, right, when he came up. You wanted to – you you brought him up. You knew he could go out there and he could go get the ball. I think – Anything that he did for you at the plate was going to be a bonus, and I certainly don't think that anyone could have expected him to do what he's done at the plate. That's been a huge plus. So, uh, yeah, do I think he's a real deal? Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all do. How do you win baseball games? Pitching and defense. What makes your pitching better? Great defense. And and when he's out there doing that every single day and it improves your outfield defense, it's going to make your pitchers a whole lot better. And it's less of Marcelo Zuna in left field, which is a good thing for everybody, and Marcelo would agree on that. I believe. Uh, this is from Sam. He said, hey, guys, do you think Freeman leaving has anything to do with Swanson taking the next step this year? As in Swanson realizing a hole needed to be filled production-wise and in the clubhouse, so it kind of forced him to take his game to the next level. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Sam. My answer to that would be no. I don't think it has anything to do with Freddie leaving. Um, I think it's, you know, Dansby's been really hot. He's been awesome this year. Um, he's also f- going to be a free agent next year, and it's just timing out perfectly for him that it's coming when it when it has. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is something to say for the timing of it. With Freddie leaving, that left a void for somebody needing to step up. And it's I don't think it's one guy's clubhouse, but I think it, it maybe increased the role perhaps for Dansby as more of a leader on the team. So there could be that angle, but – Outside of that, I agree with what J.C. says. I just think it's Dansby's personality. I mean, that's just uh, the way he goes about his business. He is a leader. He is a winner. And where he had the respect, uh, ha- had to respect, I say, I would say that it was Freddie's clubhouse or Freddie's team more than clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, he acknowledged that and has since Freddie's been here. But he was not shy at all about uh, exercising his influence on the guys in the clubhouse and on the field. He's, he, that's just his nature. So I don't think it had anything to do with Freddie leaving. Yeah. Do you think Freddie had ultimate veto slash confirmation power in the clubhouse from the standpoint of if, if there was a disagreement, we need to do this, we need to do that, Freddie's word counted for more than anybody else's? Uh, with regard to what? Just any kind of um, – I don't want to say an argument inside the clubhouse, but anything that they wanted to do, we're going to do this, we're going to do things a certain way, this way, or whatever it may be, where... Um, oh, I would I would definitely say, I would think that Freddie would definitely have voiced an opinion and said, uh-huh. that's not the way we do th- stuff around here, we're not going to do that. Do you think that falls to Dansby now? Probably. Or, or is the power a little bit more even spread? I would say probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, it might be a little, there might be two or three guys where it might've just been one before. Yeah. 
Uh, that's interesting. That's, the, that's a good question. The whole dynamic of yeah. it all. I still don't have a reply from the clubhouse on the shoe size. Yeah. So, but during the course of the game tonight, if we get a response, yeah, we'll put it from, out there from old Eric Durbin. We will put it out there. They're probably out there monitoring the parking lot. <laughs> they could be, but they may might be just measuring his shoes. Might be a three man job. Uh, first of all. The Braves broadcasters, radio and TV, are world-class at their profession. I truly enjoy hearing from each person involved in the broadcast. I was wondering recently, are the areas you work from comfortable? The heat, and even more so, the humidity here in Atlanta is unreal, and I wondered if you were able to close the windows, etc., to be more comfortable. You all orchestrate the presentation to the fans not in the stadium, working the huge amounts of data and reacting to what goes on as the game unfolds, you should be comfortable. Keep up the impressive work. That's from Buddy. Yeah, we're pretty comfortable. Thanks, Buddy. We've got the windows open, but um, we've got an air-conditioned booth. I've never really felt uncomfortable working here, as long as the sun's not beating right down on us. I mean, we're back in the shade here in the in the booth, so uh, in those conditions, I think we're pretty comfortable. If it's cold in April, uh-huh. you know, if we've got a bitterly cold day uh, anywhere on the road, we might leave the windows closed where we're not just freezing. Um, most of the uh, booths, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, there is some sort of heat that you can generate, you know, floor heaters or something yeah. that kind of take the sting off. And then if it's um, a hot day, I don't I don't ever think about not having the windows open on a hot day. It's just baseball. Yeah. I think if we were ever to be uncomfortable in the booth, it wouldn't have anything to do with temperature. It'd probably have more to do with the lack of size in a booth. Yeah. or we might be crammed in. Uh, if we had to work in the confines that we work in at Wrigley Field 81 times, that would be pretty challenging because I mean, we're stuffed in there together, the three of us. Yeah. And it's gotten better as they've renovated, but it's not any wider. So for you and I, Joe, we're down there pretty much touching elbows, and there's just not a, a lot of room on the desktop to put our stuff out and have room for the monitors and the mics and everything else. But other than that, everything seems pretty comfortable from a work standpoint. I can count on one hand – uh, the number of times where I've worked a game and the windows have been closed. One time was at Wrigley Field in Chicago. It was freezing cold and the rain was blowing in. So to prevent ourselves from being wet, we had the windows closed. Uh, we want the windows open. I can still place mics outside of the window to get that crowd noise so it sounds like we're in a ballpark. Um, but ideally, the windows are always open. The other time was in Cleveland in 2019. Um, same same situation freezing cold it was april it was easter weekend and it was pouring down rain thankfully they have windows there that make a lot of sense and are easy to open and close and i could just lower the window kind of to the mic level so our mics could still be out so it sounded like we were at a ballpark but other than those two times i can't recall ever walking or working a game with the windows uh, closed yeah so yeah we're pretty comfortable most all the time it's it's uh, a rare occasion where uh, as the boys just described that um, are the exceptions to the rule by the way asmr um let's see where i just lost this um autonomic sensory meridian response a tingling sensation that some people experience when exposed to particular types of auditory and, and visual stimuli such as whispering tapping and slow movements so there's the answer all to that right. question i thought it was more like it's all sweet my 
What? Starts with an R. Uh, rutabagas. All sweet, my rutabaga. <laughs> my little rutabaga to my ears. Yeah. So yeah. Ben makes Heath tingle. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. <laughs> what do you want to accomplish in your career? Well, I'd like to make my listeners tingle every time yeah. they turn on the radio. I want to hear from everybody that I'm ASMR and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go back to uh, one of the questions from Tyler. Uh, where he was talking about interleague play and playing everybody, and he says, are there any stadiums that you haven't visited yet? Are there any you're missing, Joe? You're probably not missing any. I don't think so. I th- I think I've been to all the new ones. Yeah. Uh, now that we got Texas. Texas yeah. yeah, Texas is the only one. But, no, I was actually, and I didn't sit down and make a list, but I was trying to think yesterday of the stadiums that still exist that I played in and broadcast in. That oh, num- that's cool. That number is getting smaller. Yeah. Fenway Park, Wrigley Field. I never played in Wrigley. Uh, Anaheim. Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium, yep. Uh, Mets, you know, Shea Stadium's gone. Never played in Miami. Never played in Washington. So this division. Oakland. Uh, Oakland's one. Yeah. Yep. Oakland, uh, San Francisco's Kansas gone. Kansas City. Kansas City is one. Yeah. So it's a limited number of the stadiums, uh-huh. older stadiums that are still around. I'm missing, after this season, uh, Detroit, Chicago White Sox, and Anaheim, and that's it. That's all that's pretty I'm missing. Good. Mm-hmm. I, I got more to knock off than you guys. I've, I've got every NL team. I've got the AL East, AL Central I'm missing, Cleveland, Chicago, and Detroit. And in the West, I'm missing L.A. That's it. So hopefully the next two years we'll mm-hmm. have all the boxes checked. Let me, t- let me tell you something about uh, Anaheim Stadium. I don't even know what it's called anymore. The Big A. That was such a cool ballpark. You know, it was built in the image of Dodger Stadium. Uh, kind of the stands kind of wrapped around the foul pole. And then in, in left field they had this big scoreboard that looked like an A. And that's where the Big A came from. It had a halo around the top of it too. Uh, and then when they got the Rams to move in there uh-huh. and they enclosed the stadium, they just ruined it. Uh, it just became a cookie-cutter-type stadium. And then the Rams moved, so they decided to tear it down, tear that outfield part down. And Disney owned it and turned it into a Disney-type setup. Uh-huh. And I've only been there a couple of times since they did that, and I don't, uh, I'm not... Um, a guy that should judge that stadium the way it looks now because the fans may love it. I don't know. But the way it was originally configured was awesome, and it was a great place. I wish it was like that still. People say the same thing about Oakland. Once Uh the the Raiders, they added that center field, that giant portion of center field. And I've seen pictures of it without that. It was gorgeous. It's a really nice view. Mm -hmm. That's no longer there. We go there in September – and, and even when they had the Raiders, they had that whole thing tarped off and it, just looked it, bad. Very unattractive. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Any other questions you guys want to throw out there before we wrap up? Should we um, paper, rock, scissors to see who's going to have to share a bed in D.C.? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe's got seniority. It's probably you and me again. Um, if I lose, I'm not going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jay Chad will be doing the color for those broadcasts. Why do some players have their back pockets turned inside out? That's from Lee. I don't, Lee, why do some people wear Crocs? I don't know. Jay Chad loves Crocs. <laughs> that is a great comparison, but, uh, you know, 
anything to draw attention to oneself. <laughs> Umpires usually tell them to tuck it in. Yeah. Uh, because they don't want to have a guy kind of spin out of the way of a pitch and have it hit the pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what that's all about. But uh, I like it when the umpires tell them, tuck it in. Yeah. Um, I can finish with this last question from Grant, who's asking for any advice in the uh, yeah. radio broadcasting I'm industry. I'm glad you're doing that. Grant, best thing I'd tell you, and I don't know how old you are. Let's see. You got it in here. I'm an incoming freshman. Just get involved. Get on the air as much as you can. Uh, I don't care what your ultimate goal is. Your ultimate goal may be to do play-by-play in the big leagues. Go do updates at, at a local station. Go get a, an internship. Just get on the air. Get a podcast. Get comfortable with being on the air and start there. And if you want to pursue baseball, then pursue minor league baseball. Try to broadcast in the minor leagues. But just be involved. Get around other people who are like-minded, who are who are on the air. Gain as much wisdom as you can from them. And just try to get on the air as much as you possibly can and get as comfortable as you possibly can and then go from there. That's the best does, advice I can give you. Does it say where he's going to school? Uh, he says um, incoming freshman. Incoming freshman from Haleyville, Alabama. See, um, no, uh-uh. it, it doesn't matter. Find out if your school has its own radio station mm-hmm. you know and maybe they do um not football and the big sports but maybe they do some of the smaller sports baseball soccer whatever it might be find out if there's room for you to do a sports report on those radio stations too that's a way to get on the air mm-hmm. and see if you can find a place to go do some play-by-play that's why i went to the school that i went to they had a, a student-run fm radio station on campus and we got to do football baseball basketball and whole reason i went there that's great and it was cool so that's the best advice i can give you and we are out of time for our show for this week um thanks as always for your your questions your comments through uh email bravesbooth at gmail.com you can shoot us a oh, email wait. anytime oh, wait. you got an answer on the shoe i got size? an answer yes joe wins size 13 13 all yep. right thanks eric size that was 13. perfectly timed thanks for uh the update size 13 for monica grant size 13 we'll see uh Size 13's on the mound tonight when Spencer Strider takes on the New York Mets <laughs> in the second game of this series. That'll wrap things up for us. For Jay Jed, for Joe, I'm Ben, and you've been inside the Braves booth.